Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Wow, it is so good to be in God's house. It's good to have uh, our band back, isn't it? I love that. Uh, I, I just, I am just so glad there are a lot of things that are um, fading away and other things that are, are that are uh, coming back to normal in our culture. I'm, I'm so excited about that. I, I'm excited about a lot of things. You can say, well, Pastor, you get excited about everything. Well, well, God's good, man. God is good. I'm, I'm just so happy to see uh, Chetty and Jen back with us today. Yeah, you know, they, they should, uh, you know, uh, win for the cutest kids ever. I mean... <laughs> just incredible. Hey, I want to talk to you today. I, I welcome you that you're here. Those that are watching online, thank you for joining with us today. I want to talk to you today about one of the most significant words in our language. One of the most important, one of the most life-changing words that you can ever know. This one word has elevated kingdoms and has raised them to their base. This one word has established leaders and brought them to their own dem demise. This one word has changed the course of history for good and for bad. It has brought sadness and despair, happiness and joy. This one word, this one word called if, 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 it's, if is retrospective, if I would have known then what I know now, anybody ever say that, man, because if I would have known then, I would have bought a lot of apple, and not the kind you buy in the grocery store. Man, if I would have only taken that left instead of that right. What was it that Bugs Bunny said? I knew I should have taken a left at Albuquerque. If I had a dollar for every time, if, it's retrospective. It's a, if is a world of possibilities. If is strategic. If is vision casting. If we do this, then this will happen. It, it opens up options. If, if we advance this cause, then these things might happen. It gives you direction. It gives you purpose. If. If. If is motivational. If I make good grades, I'll receive money. You remember that? Did your parents bribe you in school? They, they used to bribe me. It didn't work. If. Do you realize that God himself works with the word if? He works on what I call an if-then proposition in our lives. 
God's word always remains eternal. God's word never changes. And God always works with us on condition that you do this and then I will do that. And how we respond to him and his word will determine who we are in life and, and how we live our lives and where we go in life and what we say and what we become. God works on an if-then proposition. Scripture says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, or rather, if you come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, then I will give you rest. God always says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, if you come, then you will receive rest. But if you don't come to God, you will not receive the rest. God has rest for those that are weary. God has rest for those that are tired. But it will remain in God's hand, in God's providence, in God's, in God's possession until we respond and say, if I come to him, he will then give me rest. But if you're tired and you never act on if, if you never look and say, I'm going to God because he can give me rest, then you will never receive the rest that God has. If you want the Holy Spirit, boy, our world could use a, just a, a baptism of the presence and spirit of God in, in our world today. John 7:37. here's Jesus at the last day of the great day of the feast, and he stands up and he says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and I will give him water to drink. For out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, which was to come on the day of Pentecost. But notice that, that Jesus said, if you thirst, then I will give you something to drink. If you are really thirsty for the things of God, then I will satisfy you. If you really want a close encounter with the presence of God, then I will flood your life with water that will overflow and you will not be able to contain it. But if you have to act on it, if. The problem is, a lot of times we, we don't want more of God. See, God's response to Solomon in the temple, and, and this is where I want to go today in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Here's Solomon, and they have dedicated the temple, and they have had feasts, and they have had celebration, and thousands upon thousands of animals have been, have been slain for, for sin offerings and for peace offerings and for offerings of blessing. And, and here is Solomon, and Solomon begins to pray in, in chapter 6 of Second Chronicles. And, and, and God, after his prayer, God answers, and, and the presence of God comes down in the temple. And it, it is so strong, it's like a cloud, a physical cloud of the presence of God comes down. And the priests can't even minister because the presence of God is so strong. Wouldn't that be amazing? Would you like to see that? Would you like to? I, I have been in rooms where the presence of God was so strong you couldn't physically hardly stand. 
I've walked in, in prayer rooms sometimes where the hair on your arms and on the back of your neck stand up and you realize that you're in a room where the presence of God is. Because people, men and women, are calling on the name of the Lord. Can you imagine being in a place where the, the, the what we call the Shekinah glory of God, that physical cloud is, is there and it's so strong and so powerful that you can't even stand. You can only worship Him. And this, this was God and, and God's response to all of the sacrifice and to the temple. And then in 2 Chronicles 7, we see God answering Solomon. And He answers Solomon's prayer in a dream. And, and in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it's a very familiar passage of, of Scripture and I want, to, I want you to look at it because God speaks in this dream. And he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice that, that God said, if you do this, then I will do that. In our world today, there are many people that are wanting God to do the then, but they're not willing to do the if. In our world today, many people are wanting God to heal the, heal the land and, and to hear from heaven and forgive everything and just make everything the way it used to be. But God is simply saying there's, there's a part that comes before the then, and it's the if. If you do your part, then I will do my part. Because if you want the blessings of God, it has to be the if in our life to receive the then. If, if, and he speaks to Solomon and he says, when times get tough, when times are hard, when times are difficult, when you don't know which way to turn, when you don't know what to do, if, if simply means this, in the event that, allowing that, on the assumption that, on the condition that, so God is saying, in the event that you call on me, allowing the fact that you will call on me, on the assumption that you will humble yourself and pray, on the condition that you will humble yourself and pray, if, I like what he says about my people, my people, called by my name. He Notice he doesn't say, if all people. He says, my people. He's talking to the children of Israel. He's talking to those that, that have the promise from Abraham. He is talking to those that, that follow Yahweh. He's not talking to all of his creation, but he's talking to his people, the, the people of God. And he says, if my people, in the event that my people begin to act, then I will heal. It's not, God is not looking today for everybody in the world to, to repent and humble themselves, but God is simply saying to his people, to his church, if 
my people, if my church will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, then I am going to pour out blessing. All right, I'm going to quit preaching and start meddling, okay? You ready for this? God's not a Democrat, nor is he a Republican. He's not even an independent. God is sovereign. Some people think they have power. God knows he has it. And God doesn't care. What God is looking for is not for God's people, for his people to, to look for other men and women to answer the, the ills of society. God is looking for people that will look at his word and look at it and say, if my people which are called by my name, if my people that understand that Christ died for them, if my people that have been baptized into Christ, if my people that have the presence of the Spirit of the living God in their life, if my people begin to act, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, there's going to be a blessing that you will not be able to contain. God makes it clear that it's his people, not all people. The Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. 1 Peter 4.17 says this. It's really an interesting uh, verse. He says, for the time is come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And, and if, you look at, if you look at some of the translations, they'll say the judgment begins with God's people. But if you look at the Greek, it does not say that. He uh, Peter intentionally puts the house of God in reference to the temple of God. There is an importance to that because we are the house of God. We are the place where, where in the Old Testament in Solomon's temple where God said, that I am going to live here, I am going to dwell here, my name is going to be recognized here. And if you need anything at all, if the heavens are shut up, if you'll make your way to this temple and you'll begin to humble yourself and seek my face and turn from your ways, I am going to hear and heal and bless and pardon and forgive transgressions. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Why is it so important to understand that it's not just the people of God, but it's the temple of God? Because you need to understand who you are. That you are the place where the presence of God lives and dwells in this earth. That you are that temple of God is the holiest of holies. It's not just the outside of the temple. It's not just the holy place where the table of showbread and the lamp and the altar of incense was. But you, your heart, your soul, your possession, you are beyond that veil. You are the place where the very presence of the living God lives and dwells in this earth. That where you go the presence of God goes and the scripture is saying if you are the temple of God and if you want change you have to go to the very presence of God that's within you and begin to humble yourself and pray if you want change it has to start in this temple I told you I was going to meddle 
change starts here, not out there. Yesterday, we had a cleaning project here at the church, and I love doing that. I like to vacuum in the church because God always, always speaks to me when I'm vacuuming. And my wife says, well, why don't you do that at, house, at the house? It's just not the same conversation. Change starts with us. We were, we were cleaning yesterday, and it, and it just hit me that we're, we're, we're cleaning the house of God, but there are times in our lives that we need to just clean our house, our temple. See, true, lasting, eternal change begins in the heart of God's people. Where he says, be holy, for I am holy. Where he says, speak the truth in love. Cleaning the temple. Removing anything and everything that's in our life that would impede the progress of the presence of God in us. God calls us, his people, to consider the possibilities of coming to him. And he looks at it and he's saying, guys, I am not being negative. You look around and you see things that are not going right. He says, if. Look at this strategic word. Look at this word of possibility. Look at this word of promise. If you do this, I am going to bring this. If you, if you seek me, then revival will happen. If you seek me, then transformation will take, take place. If you seek me, healing will come. If you seek me, the blessings of God of God will be there but it only comes through God's people answering the call of if so what are the requirements scripture says if my people well the very first one is simply this that we need to humble ourselves and pray I look at it, I looked at this scripture, and, and, and it looks like there's four different things. You humble, and you pray, and you seek God's face, and you turn from your wicked ways. But when you really look at the scripture in context, humility and prayer go together. Because you can't be proud and pray. You, you can't stand before the Lord. I mean, uh, I know in Luke 18... I love the story of Jesus tells us about the publican and the sinner. The publican was the tax collector. And we know that we can't stand those guys. We know they're of the devil, don't we? Jesus says there's a, a Pharisee or, you know, uh, a religious person and this tax collector that go to the temple. And the Pharisee, the religious person, he's over there praying and he's saying... God, I am so thankful I'm not like that guy right there. And he begins to build himself up and talks about all the great things he does and walks away. And the, Pharisee, and the, the publican, the tax collector, he just stands there and Jesus says he just bows his head and won't even lift his head and begins to beat on his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said this, he said, that publican will go away more justified than that Pharisee. Why? Because the Pharisee was trying to pray with his pride. And the publican was humble. Humble, to humble oneself, to be humble, to be subdued. To admit that you don't have the answers. 
I know one thing. If there's, if there's 300, 400 people that are, that are listening right now, I guarantee you there's 300 to 400 different answers to any topic that you want to talk about. And something else I have learned that I, I have, uh, I know that there may be three or 400 different answers, and I know mine's the only one that's correct. Isn't that the way most of us feel? Humility, humility says, man, I know there's, there's problems, and, and I know that there's a lot of things, and I may have some ideas about what's right and, and what's wrong and everything else, but I also understand that even if I am correct, I, have, I don't have the power to change anything and I've got to go boldly before the throne of grace. I need to look to God because it's not in my power, you know, it's not in my voice, it's not in my strength, it's not in my wisdom, it's not in my vocabulary to be able to persuade and change and, and, and transform lives. It's only going to come through the creator of the heavens and the earth reaching down and pouring out his blessing and his spirit upon God's people. Because you can be right and wrong at the same time. And the difference is the pride. It says you need to pray. You need to humble yourself. You need to admit that, that you don't have the answers and you don't have the solutions and you can't solve the problems. And you need to pray, to intercede, to ask, to request of God, for God to intercede, to God, for God to, to make up the difference. It's as the scripture says about about the man that, that stands in the gap and makes up the hedge, that lays between the porch and the altar and says, God, spare your people. I don't, I don't know how to save people. I can't save people. But what I can do is I can humble myself and I can find a place of prayer and I can say, God, I have family members that need you. I have friends that need you. I have a, I have a city that needs you and I need you to spare them. There's something about going to God and saying, God, I don't have the answers, but I know you do. And, and then, God, I don't have the solutions, but I know that you do. And I, and I don't have the power to change things, but I know that you do. I, I, I don't have any of the ability to, to transform lives, but you can turn any life right side up. That, that humility and prayer, it's not about being prideful and praying and saying, God, I have the answers, just follow me and I'll show you. This is a time in our lives, in our culture, if you want that, 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 that powerful word, if, to transform you, to transform your life, to transform your family, we need to get to the place that we realize we don't have the answers. We, not, we are not the reservoir of, of all knowledge and wisdom in this world. That God is the only solution. And we have to come to him with empty hands and open heart and say, God, transform this world. Humility, prayer, when you put them together, amazing things happen. We intervene for ourselves and others, and we acknowledge that we don't have the answer. The other thing is that, that he said is, not only are you to be humble and pray, but you're to seek God's face and turn 
from your wicked ways. Do you know why we have to seek God and turn from ours, our ways? Because they're diametrically opposed. Because no matter how great we think our idea is, God says, my ways are above your ways and my thoughts are above your thoughts. And the ways of man are never the ways of God. And we must, have, we must get to that place where we abandon our own thinking and realize it's God and God alone. That no matter how great I think my, my solution would be, the answer resides in God. If you want a, an answer, you go to God. You look at his word, you pray, you, you, you have humility, and you seek him. You seek God's face, and it simply means to stand in front of him, to get his attention, that you humble yourself and you pray, and you get there toward you, and, and you, and you pray, and you get beyond everything else and you get to that place where the Bible talks about a closet of prayer where it's you and God and you have an audience with the creator of the heavens and the earth and you're in that place you're in that moment you're in that time of communion with God that that you know that the God of the heavens and the earth is looking at you and you are talking to him and he's talking to you and in that moment in that time of prayer you can have your life transformed but you got to seek him you got to seek his face you've got to be willing to set aside everything else that's in your life and realize that it's only God that matters Only the Lord. Seek God's face. Behold him. See his expressions. Allow your heart. Get so close to him that your heart is beating in cadence with his. That your heart breaks for what breaks his heart. That you rejoice with what makes God rejoice. That, that everything that you do is pleasing to him. You get to that place in prayer. You get to that place in your relationship with God that everything that you want is seen in him and you renounce your ways your ways the ways you would think they should work you know that's one of the hardest things to do is to renounce your own ways because we all have opinions and we really like our own I mean, after all, we thought of them, they have to be good. But in the things that we're talking about, in society around us, we have to be able to have enough humility to seek God, His direction, His purpose, and renounce our ways. Because you know the reason why God shuts up the heavens and why situations happen in the world? is because we have taken our eyes off of him. And we have been seeking our own ways. And it's God's call. It's God's call to his people. To the temple of God. 
to you and I to seek him. And the greatest thing that will keep us from it is pride. Pride is the greatest enemy of turning from our way and turning toward the Lord. In the, in the scripture, we, we talk about, there's a story about Naaman, Syrian uh, leader. He was a leper. And the leprosy is one of those, those strange diseases that, that literally you lose all the feeling in your, in your extremities and, and, and you will literally can rub your fingers off and not even feel it. So your skin doesn't rot off, you literally hit it on something and it doesn't, you don't feel it because you have no more feeling. And, and Naaman was a, was a leper and, and he wanted to be healed and he had tried everything with his gods. But in his household, his wife had a servant girl from Israel, had a servant girl that was one of God's children. And, and she said, I really wish that, that my master that my, it would, would go to the servant of God because he could receive healing from our God. So Naaman went and met with the prophet. And the prophet looked at him and said, just go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Now, for you and I, that wouldn't seem like a big deal. Anybody could do that. But for Naaman, his pride, his prestige, he was angry. He was frustrated. He wanted the prophet to ask him to do something amazing and magnificent that would make him look great and then he would receive his healing but the prophet said I want you to do something simple I want you to do something that will that is humiliating I want you to do something that will humble you just go dip seven times in the river the dirty Jordan River and he almost turned away but one of his one of his servants said Lord if he would have asked you to do something great would you not have done it Go try. So Naaman goes to the river. And walks out. I can see him walking out. And in his mind thinking, God, this is embarrassing. This is humiliating. This is humbling. And he gets out in front of his men. Gets out waist deep. Gets out weight, chest deep. And dips himself under once. Dips himself under twice. I wonder what he was thinking every time he dipped himself. I do know this. I don't know what he was thinking, but I do know this. His act of humility in humbling himself and doing what the prophet asked him to do, that seventh time he came up clean and pure. God could have asked us, you and I, to do anything. But he's only asked us to do a couple of things. Humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our ways. That's it. 
Let me speak to you for a moment. Whether you're here, you're online, wherever you are, if you're watching, if you have a spiritual need in your life, God is not looking at you to, to give great sums of money. God is not looking at you to build great cathedrals. God is not looking at you to do major feats of strength. He's not asking you to be so intellectual that you can solve all the problems of our society. God is simply asking you this. Will you humble yourself and kneel at the foot of the cross and realize that I died for you and that the only way that you can have eternal life is through my blood my shed blood that I'm willing to give it and if you do that if you repent then I will forgive and if you will ask me I will pardon you I will cleanse you and I will set you free if God's not asking us and God's asking us as a, as a church as the body of Christ as the temple of the presence of God in this earth He's asking us, if you want to see your culture changed and your, and, and your lives transformed and in the, in the lives of your community, I'm not asking you to do anything great and magnificent and amazing because that's my department. What God wants us to do is simply to humble ourselves and pray and say, God, my dependency is on you. My strength is in you. Everything belongs to you. And if it looks like I, I am inadequate and if it looks like I, I, am, uh, I have no strength or power or authority, then it doesn't really matter. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God and you begin to pray and you begin to ask God, God spare my city, God spare my country, God heal our land. And when you begin to do that and seek God, that's when revival happens and that's when true transformation will take place. So where are you today? Do you need God? Do you need God to transform you? Do you need God to transform your city? Do you need God to do the miraculous in your family's life? Where are you? Because it doesn't matter. Everybody goes to the same place. You humble yourself and pray and you seek God and turn from your ways. Everybody. Because that tells me one thing that it doesn't matter what the problem is, the answers are found one place. And that's in the presence of God. I'm going to ask you today, as the band begins to play, whether you're here or you're at home, I hunger. I hunger for the presence of God. I hunger for transformation. I hunger to see people born again. I hunger to see lives transformed. I hunger to see people wanting to dedicate their lives to, to the cause of Christ. I hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God. And I'm not alone. If you're here today and you've allowed the cares of this life to interfere in your relationship with God, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to change that. If you're here today and, and you think, well, I've, I've been talking about the issues of life, but I haven't really been doing anything about the issues of life because I haven't applied that great, a powerful, and amazing word, if. 
and the scripture stands supreme in our lives that heaven and earth will pass away but not one iota of the word of God will ever pass away if God says it it's secure it's eternal and it will last forever and God's word says if you humble yourself and pray and turn from your ways and seek me I will bring blessing not if not maybe but if you do your part God's going to do his I don't know what you're what, what you have need of today. I don't know if it's for you. I don't know if it's for a family member. I don't know if it's for direction in life. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. If you will do your part, he's going to do his. So if you're here today or if you're at home and you're watching, I just want you to simply do this. As this band begins to sing, if you have a need, if you want to do your part. If you want to act on if, whether you're at home or here, I just want you to simply stand and begin to talk to God and say, God, here I am. I am humble. And I need you. And let's allow God to do and be opened up to do the then part.